podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us, gang. Tom Deacon, comedian in the house. Very, very shortly we'll be checking in with him because we've got a lot of ground to cover. What a weekend. I keep saying that every week, but it just keeps on getting better. Unbelievable finishes left, right and center in the NFL. Comebacks are plenty, both individually and collectively. The best Sunday night football game of the season so far. All coming your way right now. Tom Deacon, welcome back to the show, bud. How are you? Oh, I am so good after another Sunday night of beautiful NFL action. And it's great to be back chatting with you, Nat. And you've been a busy man. And hey, those Miami Dolphins had a bye week. So you must be happy as well. No loss. Exactly right. I will take that each and every time. If we could just do that all the way through the season, then we'll go undefeated. So I would, sure. <laughs> I would like that approach. Uh, you, you must be very happy outside of the electric football we saw yesterday. I think that was my favorite Sunday of the season so far. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. It, to, right? it, was, it was incredible. It was just for the neutral. I kept looking at matches like the Browns Bengals, for example, and I was like, wow, what a high scoring game. This is epic. Then you had the Cardinals Seahawks. Like, even if you don't like those teams, you just have to applaud some of the touchdowns, some of the effort, some of the mistakes by the quarterback it was just brilliant for the neutral comebacks everywhere last gasp winners everywhere as well we've got to start with Sunday Night Football what a game it was arguably the game of the season and that is a high bar because we already had some absolute thrillers the Seahawks had their first loss Kyler Murray well he was in prime time last week of course against Dallas but it was an indifferent performance from him against Dallas right I mean he showed flashes of brilliance but certainly through the air it wasn't exactly uh, vintage stuff from him on the other hand this was top tier Kyler Murray 360 in the air three touchdowns 34 48 then he adds everything else that we know he can do with his legs as well fearless performance too from him wasn't it yeah it's just it's Kyler Murray the Cliff Kingsbury offense finally rolling uh they needed drake against the cowboys they lost mm. drake in this game so who steps up chase edmonds but it's, it's just not to just be clear that. on that you mean Kenyon drake as opposed to drake the recording artist uh yes um uh i think i am am i, am I sure Nat? you tell me uh, am i am i right so that's I idea mean, of wheeling Kenyon, uh wheeling drake rather in half time into the cowboys locker room to distract them so there's no way they're getting back into the game it's just uh yeah it's just that hotline bling um no uh, yes Kenyon drake uh fantastic running back in, in that game against the cowboys but we're talking about a different team here we're talking about the seattle seahawks who offensively roll in defense needed to up their game but mm. kyler murray just stepped into that game he looked fearless and that's uh and that's worrying for any team like my team the niners in in that division and, and for everybody else because finally it seems to be clicking uh for that cardinals team do you know what he reminded me of, the, the Murray performance? Because they were, what, 10 points down with three minutes to go, right? Yeah. He wouldn't lie down. They kept coming back at them. It reminded me of that Mahomes performance against New England, right, in, in his first full season when, again, in, that was in prime time. Again, it was a shootout. And it's a game I always go on about because it was the game that told me, irrespective of anything else, that Mahomes was going to be a heavyweight almost instantly in the NFL because outside of his productivity, he was... He didn't blink. He stared down Brady and he didn't blink. In the end, they lost the game, but it told you everything we need to know. I wonder if you see this as a, a similar performance. We've seen, as, as I said, flashes of brilliance and uh, individual uh, games at a certain level of excellence from Murray, but he hasn't managed to put it all together quite like he did last night, has he? Yeah, uh, I think you're spot on that. I think for Kyler Murray, he's got 
all the weapons. He can run with the football. Uh, he can air it out. What an arm he's got. Um, as every commentator in every game of the Cardinals, this guy could have gone and played in baseball. Um, <laughs> it's a contractual every obligation every time. Every single time. <laughs> Uh, he decided not to play baseball. You're like, all right, we know, we know. Oh, did um, he? Oh, okay. I didn't realize he, you haven't told me that 8,000 times in the last two weeks. Did he give all the money back? Oh, he did. Okay, great, great. Um, okay. But but what it is, is those moments where the the never, never say, they just won't die. They just will not re- relent to the fact that they will give up. That, that's what you mean about Pat Mahomes and yeah. that Patriots game. They just will not give up. And when you see that, it's not reckless. They're not reckless with it. It's learning how to manage those moments. And when they look fearless, that's when you have to be most worried. And I think Kyler Murray, like for Fantasy League, everyone snapped him up in the first year and the second year. But now is that, that's where he's rolling with DeAndre Hopkins as well on that team. He's just got the weapons around him and he knows the defense means that he doesn't have to bail out and panic and throw for touchdowns, which are unnecessary. He can, he can control that game, which, which can- makes him breathtaking. He did, I mean, he really did. And you compare him to Russell Wilson, who, of course, as, as we've been, again, something we've been told 18,000 times already this season, that he's an MVP form. He's the front runner of MVP after three games. But he has been in, in brilliant form, of course. And he was uh, certainly, in some respects, playing to type last night. But what was fundamentally different was how uh, easily or, uh, or rather uncharacteristically they turned over the ball. Three picks for him. And only the one, of course, uh, for... Kyler, which was a fundamental difference. Let's talk about some of those key plays and some of those key picks because one of my favorite plays of the game was, was Buddha Baker's uh, pick, which DK Metcalf was just unbelievable. And so Ollie, our producer, checked out the speed that Metcalf was running at to chase him down. If you haven't seen this, well, if you haven't seen this, stop this podcast, go and watch the highlights <laughs> of the game, first of all, come back. Uh, but DK Metcalf, uh, having seen his quarterback throw a pick, uh, a pick when they were in the red zone, of course, chasing pretty much the whole field, but a pick of the whole field. He's about, I was trying to work out, Tom, about 44% larger than Buddha Bakery seemed. Yeah. <laughs> it's an illusion. Uh, he clocked, according to Ollie, our producer, 22.64 miles per hour to catch Buddha Baker and to stop the touchdown. It was extraordinary stuff from, from DK. It was. I think it was Chris Carson in, in the flat. He rolls out behind Russell Wilson. He's just going to the, just right to the edge towards the, uh, uh, the pylon. And, and he's going towards that. And it's Buda Baker who just reads the quarterback's eyes, mm. makes that interception. And what's brilliant, and when you do watch it, uh, oh, you just told him to stop the podcast and go and watch it. But when they come back, they'll know what mm. to watch out for again, is the fact that Russell Wilson is at full pelt and is nowhere near Buda Baker. <laughs> and Metcalf just overtakes him. And it, and it, People always question the NFL, what's the point of the uh, combine? Well, you see 40-yard dash speeds like that. Metcalf is a beast. And, and I tell you what, out of all of the Seattle Seahawks team, I wouldn't want him chasing behind me. He is a man mounted. <laughs> and to get that speed as well, uh, you're phenomenal. But I think what that shows is Metcalf didn't give up and right. let his quarterback down. And so you know that the Seattle Seahawks are a team and they believe in one another. People are going to make mistakes. It's how you, you deal with that. And he, he saved the pick six, which is incredible. It's a, less, it's a good lesson for life, I think, just outside of football as well. Just, it, you know, if it goes in the face of adversity, just DK back. That doesn't mean, incidentally, if something goes wrong today, you should chase uh, somebody down the, <laughs> down the street and tackle them, just to be clear. No, unless that. there's a speed gun somewhere that can clock your, your speeds. Uh, but interesting right. enough, it, it's that 
um, Odell Beckham did exactly the same. I know we're not uh, talking about that yet, but he gets the injury. So sometimes you're like, hey, you know what? That was a bad play. Let's pick ourselves up. But your wide receivers going back to try and tackle. Yeah. Sometimes Metcalf, that's fine. He's built like that, mm. but maybe not OBJ. And we, we saw two different wide receivers going for it. Also, I mean, this obviously was, was an interception, but typically when you're watching somebody in vain pursuit of the person returning it, it's usually the, the kicker or the punter. And we love it, of course, when a kicker attempts a tackle, uh, a, a punter attempts a tackle, and that makes the tackles even better. But normally, as you say, you just see somebody accelerating away. And actually, yeah. this was the opposite. I'd put a Baker's nippy, right? But Matt Goff was just, just gaining ground that it was video game stuff. Other key play in the game. And it was great to see as well, Isaiah Simmons, uh, with the pick, setting up what was Zane Gonzalez's game-winning kick in, in overtime. Because yeah. he's had a difficult time so far, hasn't he, Simmons? Because he, all this hype in the draft, of course, a top 10 pick. And one of the things that was underwritten as his biggest asset, his versatility, has kind of haunted him so far. He hasn't really had the opportunity up until last night to make a huge amount of impact. I was reading an interview, or quotes rather, from, from Patrick Peterson a few weeks ago when he was asked about this, because every first rounder is obviously going to get a lot of attention. If you're not instantly dynamic, particularly in the stats line, you know. It's a bust. It's a, a bust. bust. <laughs> no, it's a disaster. After, again, like the, I like the MVP. After four games, he's a bust. And Peterson said, well, one of the quotes he gave was, he's a great kid. He's slowly trying to find out his role on the team. And that is going to take time. But it was terrific for, to see him make such a statement play, a significant play, the game that ultimately won the game for them mm. and hopefully he'll now turn a corner and he'll be able to step on and use that to fuel his confidence because he quite clearly has all the assets he just needs to find his place as Peter said and that takes time sometimes yeah I mean it's always said about these guys that go get picked in the draft they're athletes they're they've got the ability it's the same with DK Metcalf you know mm, I don't know he's he's such an athlete but but can he run any routes can he because he is he explosive enough does he want it enough same with Isaiah Simmons, that he's got all of that talent and ability. It takes a little bit of time and confidence as well because he was the gadget player on the defense that could right. line up anywhere. He could be the linebacker. He could, he could maybe blitz and, and get a sack on the quarterback. But you need confidence to do that. And, he, and the speed in which you go from college to NFL is 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 massive jump. Yeah, it's the so, speed, isn't it? There's the, the thing they all say. It's the one thing they think, think you're prepared for it. You think you're ready for it. It's like my God, after the <laughs> after the first game, that's just a different, totally different level. We've got to give some love to Tyler Lockett, right? Yeah, uh, I do particularly because he is in my erstwhile oh, yeah, right. uh, fantasy team, Reno Rehab, uh, perennial, the Jeff Fisher of my fantasy league, always around seven and nine, eight and eight. But this could be our year, Tom Deacon. This could oh, be our year. No. Thank God for Tyler Lockett, who single-handedly gave me. The the win last night because he racked up 45 points in fantasy. Uh, more importantly than my fantasy team, 200 yards, three touchdowns. The first completion of the night from Russell Wilson was an absolute peach. And that drive was so clinical. You thought, here we go. I mean, you thought the Seahawks unbeaten, absolutely cruising once again. Difficult for Lockett to be on the losing side after a performance like that. Yeah, it must be. It must uh, really take take it out of the team because it's so close. You know, if it's a if it's a blowout, fine. Okay, mm. yeah, we we didn't come prepared for this game, whatever. But they were so close, and he's done everything he possibly could. You know, that that that's the thing when you've given everything, but someone else on the team hasn't maybe been able to to get that stop on the third down which they needed. Tyler Lockett can hold his head high and especially in your fantasy team um, I'm, I'm dreading to look at my I'm actually refusing to look at mine because the opposition I was playing had Devontae Adams no way am I looking at how much I've lost by this week but, <laughs> 
But Tyler Lockett is one of those wide receivers that even at the beginning of the year, we're like, maybe he's on the way out. Maybe he's not going to live up to everything. Um, Russell Wilson's going to turn to DK Metcalf. This is a running team, the Seahawks. Well, not anymore. Three touchdowns for Tyler Lockett. He's incredible and will... I think this could be the best season he's ever had for the Seahawks. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And Metcalf had a quiet night uh, in the end with Patrick Peterson was on him, of course, for, for the majority of it. So his uh, incredible effort notwithstanding to, to stop the touchdown after the turnover. Productivity didn't have a, a big night, but that didn't seem uh, t- to affect them a huge amount, which they'll, of course, obviously take comfort in because they have this, this offensive balance as, of course, do... The, the Cardinals. And I want to weigh up those two in particular. So Kirk and Hopkins on Arizona's side, Lockett and DK on the Seahawks side. Who would you rather take? If you could offered right now GM Tom Deacon that wide receiver tandem, who would you lean towards? Well, we looked a lot in the scouting at who we liked a lot. And I think that, you know, based on the salary, we got to pick the budget cap. I think that we'll take Kirk and Hopkins on this one. <laughs> that was that was a poor effort. I, I love the I love the accent, and also more than that, I really felt that you were in the character. That it, I really felt that you were you chewed gum. I think you <laughs> chewed, was it gum or were you just? I mean, it was really method. It was it was my tongue mainly. Basically, my brain was telling me just stop now, Tom. Just stop. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think it's a hard one to to, to choose out of those two because uh, Tyler Lockett is just the experience he has. Metcalf is just a beast. Kirk when he does get the ball, he can really um, open things up for the Cardinals and Hopkins. We just know how good he was, even though he gave away, there was a fumble at one point. Um, it's, it's, it's for me as a GM, it's down to mm. the salary cap and what I can afford. Now that's my Smart. final answer. Smart. Who would um, Mick McCarthy go with? Uh, Mick McCarthy. Well, I think, you know, we've got to go for the youngsters and I think I'll go for Kirk on this one. Uh, I, I think he'd make the same decision as me. I, he got DK. I, love, I love DK. I love DK. No, oh, he's, 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 he's stunning. Uh, the height of him. You know what I mean? Um, what I find <laughs> I fascinating uh, about uh, that Buda Baker moment where he was running, it was, it was reminiscent of the uh, Danny Dimes running. And I think mm. not enough has been said about the wind in Philadelphia. I've been to the link and I think that's, that is fine because even the kickers say it all the time at the link. It's hard to make kicks because of the wind. I think we've not made that as an issue. It's, it's probably global uh, warming that has affected the times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where does this leave Russell Wilson, the MVP discussion? <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? No, I was going to ask you. I think for the Seahawks, Russell Wilson is still for me uh, the top in the top three quarterbacks in the NFL right now and, and will be annoyingly as a Niners fan, but he's, he's legit. There's, he is lit right now. And I think this is his season. He's going to be incredible. Like he is every single season. Um, it's just whether the defense on that Seattle team can help Russell Wilson Mm. to continue, um, to, to get the wins rather than the loss, unfortunately. That is the, that is the concern, isn't it? That is the, the, clearly the weak link at the moment. But if, uh, there are a handful of coaches that could probably turn around that personnel uh, right now in the NFL, and Pete Carroll's one of them, right? Mm. It just made me think as you were talking about Russell Wilson, just appropriating that Patrick Peterson quote to him. He's a great kid. He's just slowly trying to find out his role on the team. <laughs> I think he probably has worked that out. Uh, ben Roethlisberger certainly has for the Steelers, and it's a different role to, to the Ben we've seen for most of his time in, uh, like the segue there, <laughs> most of his time in, in Pittsburgh, because the Steelers edging in the end that the Titans in another thriller and let the Titans back in having dominated the, the first half and, and dominated in particular Derek Henry in the first half but Roethlisberger uh, is a different kind of quarterback to the one he was 
back in the day and the way he is moving it around so quickly. So there's a stat that really stood out for me here to emphasize the point from this game, his speed of release, Tom. Uh, he is delivering uh, the ball with the shortest average time to throw, 2.27 seconds. So Roethlisberger, this idea of for so many years, this kind of prototypical six foot five probably did two spells in Nam and then came back and played pro ball kind of footballer uh, who had just taken so much damage. It just stands and holds fire in the pocket and takes hits and everything else. And it, it's changed now. It's just carving up almost that kind of West coast style, just dink and dunk speedster style offense. And it's, and it's thrilling to watch when it's rolling. Uh, mm. <laughs> um, I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, when I was watching uh, the match back and I was like, wow, this game is great, but what is wrong with Ben Rufflesburg? He's like he's throwing a hot potato. There is, uh, there is <laughs> at times, he, is just, he just doesn't want that football. There was one bit where he threw it to Ebron and you're like, what? You've thrown it sideways. It's, um, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how ugly they're throwing that football is even with Philip Rivers, they're still getting the job done, still getting the W's. Uh, it's not pretty to watch. It's the same with Gronkowski. You're like, how is that? He's running in treacle, isn't he? But, <laughs> but they're still getting touchdowns. And Ben yeah. lifts that team. Um, we, 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 I don't want to even mention last year what Tomlin had to deal with in his quarterbacks. He had right. uh, the Dirk Hodges and, and, and what have you. And you're sort of thinking, now Ben's back. He lifts the whole team. Um, to deliver and defensively uh, they, they were so good against the Titans 27-7 at one point but just the comeback in the fourth quarter didn't mm. happen but Ben Ben is great I, you can't deny it, even though technically it looks awful it looks awful but yeah yeah I was trying to think we should probably look at putting a list together Rivers is on there of the the all-time ugliest throwing quarterbacks <laughs> as in uh, their, their throw of course being ugly, not, yeah. nothing else uh, just to yeah. be clear on that as well and all-time all-time uh, uh, all-time passes the, the most elegant to see as well. Carson Palmer's got to be in there. I'd actually, I'd have Jared Goff in that. It's maybe not in the top five, but I'd have Jared Goff in. He throws it. He throws a pretty ball, Jared Goff, right? Yeah. You get, you're getting that, that spiral's going, isn't it? Uh, it's just, uh, he needs a bootleg or two to get there. Um, so <laughs> he doesn't get absolutely sacked. But, but you're right. The, it, does it really matter? Like, I know that the scouts look in the combine and like, oh, he throws the ball so beautifully. It's, mm. it's great for the spectator, but, but is it doing enough? Does it, do they lift the team as a quarterback? Do they drive that team on when it looks like they're going to lose? That's what Ben is able to do. Doesn't matter how ugly it is, but it's definitely changed that action, hasn't it, over the years? Really has. And just the, just the style of offense, which he's able to, uh, to uh, preside over, of course, because once again, they've got more receivers than everyone else, it seems, uh, more number one receivers than everyone else. Uh, key as well, when you, you look at the balance in the Steelers' side, and yeah, they, they let the Titans back in, but it is, uh, it is a very balanced side. They're, they're strong on both sides of the ball. And offensively, and Ollie, our producer, was, was making this point that maybe they don't get enough credit, despite the fact Claypool has a monster game, although he didn't, of course, yesterday, but has done. And, uh, and there are players that will inevitably catch the, uh, the highlights, uh, the headlines rather every now and then. But typically, everybody's talking about this Steelers D, the Steelers D driving it. But, mm. but 13 of 18 on third downs against Tennessee, and eight of nine of uh, those were in the first half. That is quite demonstrably great execution, but also smart play calling. You know, yeah. they are a well-run organization. Once again, they've improved to 6-0 and with the win. Their best start since 1978. Can you remember? I know it's before you were even born, probably, Tom Deacon, in 1978. 
Uh, what happened in 1978 that was particularly significant? I'm imagining the Steelers did something really good, Nat. Uh, <laughs> all, all I remember, sorry, it's just coming to my head, is being in America, in Las Vegas, uh, mm. being around a table. Uh, we were playing uh, um, blackjack and the croupier uh, asked who our teams were. And one guy said Steelers and everyone booed on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing. And I'll never forget that because um, we said we were a Niners fan and the croupier just a little fist bump to us. Nice. So I imagine the years gone by of the Steelers around in the 70s or 80s, they were dominating. I feel like they may have won a Super Bowl around that time. Yep. So the Steelers, last time they were 6-0, and they actually won their first seven on the way to Super Bowl glory. Yeah. Tom Deacon, Super Bowl glory. Back in the 78 season, the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys fans, more good news for you. <laughs> just thought i remind you of that as well um let's talk about what went down in this game so Don't kick them while they're down now hey, the cowboys they are down they've got, they got plenty of money they'll be fine uh the the two big omissions or absences i should say going into this game were taylor lawan on the titans side uh on the offensive line and of course devin bush on the steelers mm. d in the steelers d and it was very much certainly in the first half Luan that was the bigger loss right because they just couldn't get Henry going at all the Steelers were dominating things there so uh, that was really interesting how they neutralized him and then how the Titans came back now this was Roethlisberger being careless with the ball that was a big part of it the turnovers let the Titans back in obviously Uh, but nevertheless despite a really abject first half I think it showed a lot of spirit for the Titans to, to make this competitive. And A.J. Brown in particular was, was instrumental there. Uh, and, and we're looking at one point, certainly you know, doing the radio show and evaluating a halftime, which is pretty much the first time you've done that show where you can take a breath and thinking, I wonder if this is going to be one of those games where the Titans, we realize, have found out that they are limited, that actually there isn't enough about them defensively, as, as Mike Carlson was saying on the radio show last night. And if you can find a way to neutralize Henry and the way the Steelers were in the first half, well, they just don't have enough about them. And even though they got this loss, I think this was another really significant game for Tennessee. I think the fact that they got this close, a Goskowski miss away from taking it to overtime and and, and quite possibly going on to win it, I think, uh, I think showed us a lot about this Titans side that they are legit. They really are legit. Yeah, it's it's how you get through that adversity and 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 how you deal with it. Like, hey, you take you take one on the chin in the first half, and at one point in the third quarter, they were twenty-seven seven down. Uh, mm. And yes, Ben Rufflesberger throwing those three interceptions. There, there, there was points that you need a little bit of luck on your side. Tannehill throws the ball up, it gets tipped, and Humphreys manages to land with it. Right. Otherwise, it would have been another interception, uh, and the Steelers' defense would have rolled and built that confidence. But like you say, it. I think that Vrabel will look at this and go, all right, let's, we, how do we build from this loss? Because we were rolling at 5-0 and before that. This was two teams who hadn't lost going into this match. They will walk away from this and go, these are the things we need to do. Let's not blame it on the fact that our left tackle, our, t- our tackle wasn't there to, to deal and soak up the pressure and help Henry. How can we build a team that can win, say if Hunter Henry is uh, uh, Derek Henry, not Hunter Henry, what's he doing on the pitch? Get him off, Rabel. You, you're going to get fined <laughs> for that. Uh, if, if you can't he's, get he's Derek bringing Henry Hunter Henry on the pitch just to get the draw the deliberate foul to stop the clock, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> That's Rabel's MO. So they, they, they will build from this. And, and I, I think the Titans can, like you say, take so much from this game, knowing mm-hmm. the Steelers are, are, are a hot team right now, but they were very close and they will learn from it uh, going forward. 
just on Vrabel actually and the, watching the game play out, uh, at, particularly when it wasn't going their way and kept cutting to him as it, as it was in, in the Steelers game, kept cutting to Tomlin, who is undoubtedly the coolest man in football, not even the coolest coach in football, he's just the coolest man in football. And, but cutting to Tomlin and despite the fact you've got to read so much now, don't you, through people's eyes because of, because of face masks and just looking at Vrabel's eyes, just thinking, my God, I would not want to be in that no. Titans locker room at halftime. I think he might be, I was, I was thinking, I'll throw this to you, which head coach, what are the head coach power rankings of the most terrifying uh, when you know you're going to get a shellacking at halftime from the boss? Uh, I mean, Vrabel's got to be on that list, right? Uh, Vrabel is, is up there. It's a one and two, one and two punch combo uh, mm. UFC fight with uh, Judge uh, at, the, at the Giants. <laughs> nice. Those, those, Show, yeah. That is that is the top. That's the main billing, isn't it, of that UFC fight? You know, there's build-up fights before that. Uh, the headline: it, Mike McCarthy versus Kyle Shanahan. Everyone's going, well, that's a that's a weight disparity. But don't worry, Kyle Shanahan. He'll come with some trick plays. But when it comes down to it, it really is the Giants taking on the Titans for their head coaches going uh, pound for pound. Love and, it. Well, of course, dangerous. Judge. Of course, just furious, fury. I love is it. there anyone else though? Now, is there another head coach you would say that would go in for those two, Rabel and, and Judge? Well, I think I think Tomlin, outside of being super super cool, would would handle himself for sure. I think I think yeah. Tomlin would be a you know, dangerous a dangerous competitor there. I'm just thinking like I'm not really sort of buying you know Kingsbury, Stefanski, you know? they're kind of wiry guys. They, they, but you know they, they, Andy Reid. I mean, if you got one punch from Andy Reid. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need it's, just, it's a butter bean isn't it it's an old school butter bean <laughs> <laughs> just a haymaker just he rolls his arm five like Apollo Creed just rolls his arm five times and also never take on a head coach when the media are surrounding them and saying hey guys um, I think your your neck's on the block I think your head's on the block because Mike Tomlin last year was getting calls of maybe it's time the Steelers get rid of a head coach which is unbelievable now however Bill O'Brien, where would you have put Bill O'Brien? He's no longer a head coach. Yeah, or a GM. He's, like, he's lost both jobs. Uh, Pete Carroll's the other one I think would be, de- would be even older, just don't underestimate. Belichick would be just brilliant. He would, you know, Belichick would be quite Jedi-like in the sense that he wouldn't throw much offense, but he'd just like little steps here and there and just be impossible to hit. Ropey dope, like uh, Muhammad Ali, just, just holding in. Yeah. <laughs> Carol would just be a machine. Uh, this is this is a whole separate podcast we've got to do. We'll, we'll save that for the offseason. I want to deep dive in that a lot more. Um, let's move on. Uh, speaking of bounce back performances, uh, Baker Mayfield absolutely had one in the Battle of Ohio. The second time, of course, that the Browns and Bengals have been involved in a shootout this season. And we remember Baker's awful performance, the Browns' awful performance last week. And a lot of hype is there always seems to be about him in particular. And some of that is uh, invited, I guess, given the way that he, he came in as a fairly brash character into, into the NFL. And he is undeniably, Tom, one of the most watchable quarterbacks in the league. I am always drawn, whether they're winning or losing, to, to Baker Mayfield and the offense when, when they're on the field. They started appallingly. He did in this game. 0 for 5, threw a pick with his first throw of the game. And then yeah. it all changed. 22 of 23. And you mentioned Odell Beckham not being uh, on, on the field. He wasn't on the field for any of that. So he completed uh, almost 100% of his passes without his, in principle anyway, number one receiver on the field. It was an extraordinary performance from Baker Mayfield. I was super impressed 
with how he approached that and handled that, given it could have been an absolute capitulation and quite conceivably might have meant that Baker was on the road out of the starting job in Cleveland. So he's turned that around. What did you make of, of him and, and of Cleveland collectively last night? Well, uh, I think I mentioned earlier, it was a game for the neutrals. The Bengals are so close to getting their second win of the season and, and they are a very strong side because I think people are underestimating them. Baker Mayfield, as you, as you alluded to, zero of five attempts to throw that football. And then after that, he was a different, different player completely. Mm. And again, throwing an interception on his first pass, he is an emotional quarterback. I, I, every time I watch him, I think he is so emotional. There's, there's either good energy or negative energy that is, that is flowing out of him. Um, it was reported that when uh, Beckham uh, went down, uh, not David Beckham, uh, Obi, uh, um, you know, you, you know what I'm saying. It was just earlier because you mentioned about Kenyon. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just double checking. Cool. We keep yeah, doing that okay. through the course of the show as well. Um, uh, he told, um, uh, told Baker told um, uh, Beckham listen I love you and then Baker said to uh, Beckham said to him go be great and I tell you what after that breaking a franchise record with 21 consecutive passes five touchdowns breaking records left right and center I think Baker plays better when he feels like he owes someone in the team something yeah, well, this is interesting. I, I think that's absolutely true. And there's a lot of talk, and there has been all along, fairly or, or, or unfairly, about Odell Beckham's attitude and his impact on this Browns locker room. And it's easy to join the dots when Freddie Kitchens was head coach and say, look, you've got all these Galactico-style players and he can't control them, and that's why it's just chaos there. And maybe that was too simplistic an argument or a position to take, even if you accept Freddie Kitchens at that time and he wasn't cut out to be an NFL head coach. Beckham, and this was a really interesting stat that was pushed out by a friend of the show, Dan Olofsky, of course, uh, who we hooked up with over in Miami back, which seems like a lifetime ago, uh, part of the Get Up crew, former NFL quarterback, part of the uh, ESPN Galaxy. He pushed something out on social media, which was really interesting, uh, comparing Odell Beckham and Rashad Higgins Mm. with Baker Mayfield in terms of comparing their productivity. So uh, yards per attempt, Odell Beckham 7.6, Higgins 10.9. Touchdowns to interception ratio 6 and 8 in that order for Beckham, 7 and 3 for Higgins. A passer rating 72.4, 125.5 Mayfield's rating is when he's targeting Rashad Higgins. Uh, extraordinary difference. And it does make me think despite everything in my head saying, well, just give this time. He is an elite player. It will come together, particularly if the Browns are rolling, right? Particularly. And of course they now move to five and two with this win. They're a playoff contender. No doubt about it. The Beckham will come good when it matters. Like when you're in a playoff game and you're on, uh, you you need a, a particularly with a, a quarterback like Mayfield that might try and force the issue again. He hasn't been doing that as much this season, but might have to in, in the playoffs. And, and we know he's got that tendency, right? He will be that player that will make that DeAndre Hopkins style will have that extra edge that, you know, Hopkins is just flawless at, with his footwork and keeping his toes in bounds. Beckham, as we know, is, is capable of the spectacular. He'll come good when it matters. That what I, is what I've been maintaining all along. Now I'm starting to think with everything over the last couple of weeks, maybe they should look at dealing him before the deadline and, and picking up collateral because maybe they can survive without it. Maybe they're better without him. 
Yeah, I, I think um, a lot of Browns fans would probably agree with you, but it's better to have such a dominant weapon on your team than rather give him to someone else. But if you want to shore up other areas of your, your team, then now now's the time. But I feel like when you're winning, why change it when you're winning? It, it seems to be in NFL, uh, the, the teams, the franchises only dish out or deal players when things are going badly. That's what they're saying about the, the Houston Texans right now. You're one and six. It's time to start selling your assets. Um, I think it's a very good point. I, I personally would rather have Beckham on that, that team because it galvanizes the team to say that no, it, we're all in this together right now to, to keep on winning. Mm. Okay, let's move on because there are a lot of other games I want to get into. Um, we're already rattling through and time is a ticking. Uh, the Falcons, extraordinary stuff there in the Falcons-Lions game. Another unbelievable finish, uh, which was, I guess, predicated on the Todd Gurley situation. And Gurley, it's been brilliant to see, Tom, how he's getting back to vintage Gurley because everyone had written him off. I mean, I, I lost count of how many articles, how many talking heads I heard going into the season saying, God, he's done. He's done. He's a bust. Don't draft him in fantasy, all this stuff. And um, arthritis in the knees, no <laughs> chance, no chance. They all sounded like that. Exactly. that. <laughs> uh, and he's look, he is, there's still some way to go before we uh, anoint him uh, as, as, as one of the top running backs in the league again, but he's certainly well on the way to looking like his former self, which is brilliant. But of course he was unwittingly right at the center of this Lions comeback. Yeah, I mean, if falling short of the goal line would have kept that clock ticking and it meant that the Falcons could then eat up more of the clock and then kick a field goal to win. But at the fact that he fell over to get a touchdown, which is what you want as for Todd Gurley fans out there, like, yeah, we'll take the fantasy league points. Yeah, well done to Todd Gurley. He's back again, not in those moments. And he's, he's now, you know, he's almost, a, he's been around for what, five, almost six years. So he should know for the team to win, just fall short and, and give us that win. But it's like he did, he did it like selfishly. He I didn't do it selfishly. Like, I want all the plaudits for this. It's, he realized, but too late, didn't he? And he just couldn't. And all these little like Danny like, Dimes again. It looked like the Danny Dimes <laughs> syndrome had just happened where he just got hit down. I wondered, I looked at it, I thought, has he been, what's happened to him? Did he pull an injury? But he realized whilst going down that I'm going to right. get a touchdown and that's it because it stops the clock. I love, I love the idea of, or the theory anyway, that what Atlanta needed in that situation was Danny Dimes. If Danny <laughs> Dimes had been carried the ball, then it'd be fine. And he won that he, game. He has been the best running back for the New York Giants. So <laughs> yeah, now's the time. Give the, give the ball. It, it's unprecedented how many times the Falcons have lost when they should have won the game. It is, it's, it, I mean, you'd be spitting feathers uh, as a Falcons fan, quite literally, because you're, they should have won that. And it, and it reminds me of the two, I think it was 2014 at Wembley, Lions yeah. versus the Falcons. I was yeah. there watching that kick uh, go through. It was missed, but there was a flag on the play. Falcons stepped up again. And then, uh, uh, sorry, the, the Lions stepped up and got that win. And they're, they're, they're like the bogey team for the Falcons. It, it, I mean, it's, un, it's extraordinary how the Falcons continue to do this. And, and it, so much of it was suggested about the coaching. And, and I've actually had this same conversation with, with Ollie about the Bengals, right? We had it funny enough because Ollie, our producer, also produces our live talk sports show. And in, in the lift uh, down after the game, after the broadcast last night, we we're talking about the Bengals blowing it again, right? And he was saying it's a real problem. It's a big problem that this keeps happening under Zach Taylor. And I was saying, well, just 
like relax. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a developmental era. Like it doesn't yeah. matter at the moment. But I went away and thought about it, and I still believe that. But I understand where he's coming from. Like at what point do you blame the coaching? And then if you apply this to the Falcons, well, it, you can't blame the coaching anymore. You can't certainly blame the outgoing uh, coach. Uh, Dan Quinn. So at what point does this become so engendered in the culture and the mindset that it just permeates throughout the team? And that is a very real thing. Like you talk to players about it and they will tell you that's absolutely a thing in the same way you have you know, locker and poison. And if you have factions and things are just not well, and there are, there's too much division, that's obviously a tangible thing, but, but mindset, both positively uh, uh, in the case of say the Patriots, you talk to expatriates, they said that, you know, seasoned vets that have been around the block and the moment they walk into that facility and they understand this is the Patriot way, like that, it's a very real thing. Right. And I think it works both ways. I think that the Falcons at the moment is just so brittle. Yeah, it, it's just like osmosis. It just gets around the team. Um, it, I, previous guest that I know I've listened to, Nikki Bandini, has mm. been on, and she was saying about how it's the mentality since the Super Bowl. It's like this. Um, it's, it's just a fever they cannot shift uh, year on year. It, it's remarkable. And but then at the same time, Matthew Stafford had to lift, and the Lions had to lift their game even more so. And maybe they believe that they could win because it's the Falcons. Yeah, because he threw that fourth quarter touchdown with no time left on the clock, uh, which now means he equals Tim Couch's uh, record in the Super Bowl era. Twice they've done it, thrown a touchdown with no time remaining on the clock. Uh, they're, they're only two quarterbacks. But Matthew Stafford had to raise his game. Maybe the Falcons demand, <laughs> they don't throw the game away. They make the opposition have to play above and beyond to beat them. But I know that's, that it's definitely the former, not the latter. <laughs> Uh, Kenny uh, Golladay, so we've got to give him uh, props. Incredible uh, day from him once again. Fourth straight game with either a touchdown or 100 yards receiving this season. The Lions, a lot of buzz about them preseason, spluttered and started in in true Lions fashion at the beginning, but mm, they're back in it now. They're back in the mix, right? And uh, uh, a very, very important win. What a thriller it was as well. Much more straightforward for your 49ers over New England. Was it ever in doubt now? Was it ever in doubt? We looked at that. Was it ever in... What Patriots team? Three interceptions from Cam Newton. Never in doubt. That is their uh, biggest loss. Uh, the last time they lost with a, with a lower score of zero was against the Bills back in 2016. I did my research now. Uh, Jacoby Brissett uh, for the Bills. taking our, uh, J- Jacoby Brissett was for the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, Tyrod Taylor for the Bills. 16-0. The Niners, of, uh, they just whooped. They got whooped, the Patriots. They were bad it was uh, because excuses were made last time out against the broncos because of covid right because of the obviously the the impact that had on cam and the impact that had on the preparations and the counter punch was well defensively they you know they had the broncos didn't score a touchdown on them it was all brandon mcmanus with his with his with his legs so again you can identify clearly a, a woeful offensive performance and that absolutely has some bearing on the defense as well because they are just being worked too hard and eventually that will unravel. But that may be the most worrying thing of all, I think, for the Patriots. It's not just that uh, Cam Newton had another a bad day. He managed 98 yards and then, of course, Belichick yanked him and brought on Jarrett Stidham and that wasn't any, any better uh, at all. It was defensively. They were just never really uh, able to con- control... Uh, a 49ers offense that has been far from fluent this season, it's fair to say. Right? Yeah. 
Uh, far from it. Um, the, the, the main problem, and I, I do speak as a Niners fan who's behind me, as you can see, a Mickey Mouse uh, 49ers uh, toy. I'm going to call it a toy because that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> we have been a Mickey Mouse team at times. I, I contemplated nice. whether I should continue to support them after that Dolphins loss. What? Yeah, really? genuinely. I was so appalled. Uh, and yet I'm the guy with a, a Dolphins helmet on the other side of, behind me. Uh, but Because the Niners have been so uh, ravaged by injuries. We had seven defensive players out against the Patriots. Jimmy G did not help by throwing two interceptions, no touchdowns. Our run game has delivered for the Niners over the years. And yet another injury for a guy that had uh, his career day, uh, Wilson, three touchdowns and then mm. is, is injured again. But the Patriots, they, even though we gifted two interceptions for the team, they just couldn't get anything firing on offense. And I know earlier... I just said they're bad. And I know a lot of 31 other teams will be saying, no, no, keep going, Tom. Just it, it, we have, let's have our day. It's the Patriots. We've waited so long for this. But they are, they're just not able to get anything uh, going offensively. And, and that makes the defense have to do too much. Yep. And they're, just not, they're not the, the balanced team that we, we've seen in the past at all. Good stat that Pro Football Focus emphasized. Cam Newton completed three passes to 49ers players, nine to his own teammates. <laughs> and the other thing that I think Sam Monson was the writer on the, uh, on the roundup on, on PFF, uh, pointed out when Jarrett Stidham tripped over his, over his lineman's foot at the end and just collapsed, which, which is, was in the same way that the, the girly, uh, the unfortunate girly um, touchdown and, and the Danny Dimes Four, that almost completes the, the trifecta of uh, accentuating and, and emphasizing those respective seasons as well, the way they're going at the moment. And it's really disappointing, I guess, for Patriots fans because they've been starved of success for so, for so long. But <laughs> yeah, the, t- the tears will roll uh, yeah. definitely at the Gillette Stadium. But it's, it's great for Jimmy G to go back and, and, and against his former team, the, the Patriots, and, uh, and, and goes in there and says, you know, it was really cool. It brought out loads of memories. I mean, you're not going to get too much from him. 50th uh, career game for George Kittle, proving he's an un- unbelievable tight end again. But, but just the Niners, for me personally as a fan, or any team I see in the NFL, when they're so ravaged with injuries and yet they're still able to, to get a play uh, together like Kyle Shanahan's managed to do, um, mm. arguably one of the best coaches for, in the NFL right now for being able to, to still manage to win, even though it's nowhere near the, the, the starting team that we wanted. Michael Hasty was uh, a player that Mike Carlson was excited about because he is one of those players whose surname lives up to uh, lives up to his style of play as well. So keep an eye on him. Uh, let's talk about uh, well their former quarterback and now in Tampa Bay, Tom Brady getting it done once again. Four touchdowns, four more for Brady. Uh, in the end, it wasn't even close. I, I know that there were problems going into the game for the Raiders with their offensive line and actually problems within the game for the Raiders in their offensive line when uh, they lost a couple of them and that changed the dynamic because their first score and, and the way that they were uh, looking to emphasize the ground game, that game plan disappeared in a vapor and uh, they were never really ever in it again. That's not taking anything away from uh, from the Bucks, particularly offensively. And Brady just looking, as we, it feels like we say every week on this show, but more and more and more. Uh, like he is in his comfort zone. It's just getting stronger and stronger. They are getting stronger and stronger offensively. When you look week on week at how they took down the Bucks, it was the defense that really got it done. That incredible second quarter and confusing Aaron Rodgers with all kinds of trickery. This time it was very much uh, the offense 
uh, stepping up. And this is an offense that's only going to get stronger with the Antonio Brown signing. Or at least you think it would. We haven't talked about it on the pod yet, although, the, of course, the story broke at the end of the week over the weekend. What do you make of Brown going to the Bucks? Because they're two schools of thought, I guess, Tom. Some people saying he's not going to be the player. He's never going to be the player he was. He's, there's too much has happened. And also, and we were touching, I was talking to Will Gavin about this yesterday, the idea Will was saying that it's just morally uh, morally wrong, that it is, doesn't sit right with him, that Antonio Brown is an NFL player. Mm. It's, it's a lot to dissect with Antonio Brown, isn't it? I mean, Bruce Arians was quick to say he's matured. It's taken its time, um, uh, but maturity, you know, it, it, it's really interesting what you said about will gavin because in my head i was like yeah i'm I'm, of course antonio brown's gonna go to the bucks it looks like tom brady's team now and what i mean by that is he's galvanized that team people want to play for him uh he's making the gronkowski partnership where they've scored 92 touchdowns together which puts them up in the pro hall of fame um with steve young jerry rice uh, but, but so you're thinking well this is great it's working in some respects why add antonio brown miller looks incredible uh and so fast as as the deep ball threat you've got godwin you've got evans do they really need another offensive weapon and like you say and and will gavin has said morally is that right but from antonio brown's perspective he wants to win a super bowl and this seems like the team that can do that why did Le'Veon bell go to the chiefs because they look most likely that they're going to get him that super bowl ring so yeah i'd I think fair enough. I, I, I don't know whether it's going to work out. Uh, I'm a little bit skeptical whether it will work out. Mm. And if he wins a Super Bowl, will, will we all think, oh, that's kind of, isn't that in the rules of the game? Does that seem fair? Is that right? There's so many great players that never won a Super Bowl, and yet Antonio Brown does. It, it would seem weird. I suppose the other question, Tom, do, do they need him? I mean, I know that Evans and Godwin have had injury issues and that might be driving this a little bit. But as you talked uh, about a bit earlier, Gronk might not be um, tap dancing his way <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> He's not going to be going on uh, strictly with J-Bell uh, anytime soon, you would think. Uh, internet every time he takes a hit, every time he takes a hit, Nat, you're thinking he's broken now surely he's broken he's, bro- he's got to be broken how many hits does Gronk need to take but he gets the job done even the fact that they combine now for 92 touchdowns between Tom Brady yeah. and Gronk that puts him in the Hall of Fame Steve, Steve Young Jerry Rice and, and Peyton Manning and Harrison is an uh, unbelievable stat there do they need him you're, you're asking me that question yeah. and you've got two very solid running backs in Fournette and Jones mm. you, you'd think to yourself well let's just have another weapon why not but what happens to Mike Evans? Like he seems to be disappearing from that Bucks team. Well, that is an interesting point, actually. If if Brady obviously loves Brown, right, as as a player, uh, was you could understand last season why he was driving so much for Brown to be in the mix because he didn't have the weapons he has now around him in New England. That was the big issue, right? That he just didn't have anyone. So uh, Edelman, notwithstanding, right, that that he could throw to. So you could see why he was just put, overlooking the. At that stage, anyway, the erratic behavior of Brown, because that was around the time that he was on hard knocks and the whole Raiders situation, and Brady really, really pushing, pushing to keep him. You can kind of get that. Now it feels slightly more strange. It's a great point that if Brady's quite clearly very pro-Brown and providing Brown keeps his end of the deal up, Brady's going to look at him and target him a lot. Yeah, 
they got it. They got a lot of you know a lot of mouths to feed there, right? And yeah. wide receivers are not known <laughs> to be the then, uh, most more understated members of an NFL locker room, should we say? Yeah, and you've got Miller, who's the the deep ball threat. Who mm. suddenly you're like, wow, this guy building the confidence. Brady's always said, you know, he has to be confident in his wide receivers. Surely, what more does Brady need apart from another Super Bowl ring? Uh, more people he trusts around him. I mean, if they did have uh, Brown join, I mean, that is a team that is going to be phenomenal on, on offense. And the defense is doing their, their end of the bargain because the Raiders scored 20 points. But that's yeah. not enough against the Bucks. You need to score more than that. And as you mentioned, they weren't able to run the football with, with uh, Jacob. So, um, so they, mm. their game plan that, the, that beat the Chiefs wasn't there against the Bucks. So that Bucks tra- uh, pirate ship keeps on, uh, keeps on floating. I don't think that's the, the same, but I'm, I'm sticking with it. I like that. That's good. I think you should maybe suggest that is dropped in the locker room at the end when they're sort of wrapping <laughs> up. You know, sort of Bucks on three, you can be like, the bu- just have a video of you, this video of you doing yeah. it. Yeah, okay, yeah. guys, the Bucks pirate ship keeps on floating. Floating. And everyone goes, floating! <laughs> Bruce Arian lights up another cigar and he's just relaxed and, uh, <laughs> hey, that pirate ship keeps on floating. <laughs> I love it. Let's get, the merch. Let's get the merch made up. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers and the, the pack off the back of, of course, that, uh, that defeat to the Bucks last week where Rodgers, for the first time this season, was outdoor and certainly, certainly rattled if he could ever rattle Aaron Rodgers. And uh, this was inevitably going to be uh, a revenge game bounce back performance that just is the theme of Aaron Rodgers this season full stop right and it didn't matter they didn't have Aaron Jones Bakatari from the line as well was out it didn't matter they were uh, ruthless in the way they handled the Texans who uh, Deshaun Watson doing what he does again just scrambling around using his unbelievable ability to try and keep something going get something moving and I was thinking because I know you love uh, your football as well as your football, Tom. Uh, mm. I was trying to think of a comparison with a team that, uh, and I, the closest I could come to here was last season's Villa with Jack Grealish, right? With this season, you know, they've obviously moved on up and there's more about them, but that they were almost single-handedly being kept afloat by one, by one player. And that just seems to be... Uh, it's not quite as simple as that, of course, but there seems to be offensively anyway, this vibe around, around the Texans and going into the future as well. Look, look they've obviously got with, with Will Fuller and others on that offense, credible pros, right? So I'm, I'm not being mean to be disparaging, but it's just everything about this Houston offense, particularly with the line being as it has been, that you have an elite quarterback in Deshaun Watson that is just freewheeling and scrambling around and and not able to get anywhere with it. Yeah, it's, uh, I feel like the, the Bill O'Brien damage has been done and, and I'm not, uh, you know, aiming it all at him because that, that was a team that was still able to go to the playoffs with Bill O'Brien right. each season. Um, the running game seems to, to have, you know, I know that uh, David Johnson managed to get uh, a passing touchdown his way, but Duke Johnson and him, it, it's just not doing what they need to do to help Deshaun Watson out. And it's a big this, rebuild. It's a big old rebuild, right? This, this is exactly what it is. And, and even JJ Watt uh, said, you know, you are what your record says you are mm. at the end of the game. They're, they're deflated. They're, there's rumblings that they, they need to start selling now. And Romeo Cornell has come into this uh, to take over the head coaching role to, to try and galvanize this team. And it's just not working. They, they've punted the ball X amount of times in, the, in their opening drives, I think every game this season, they're just not a team that, that's clicking. And you say they've got talent there. 
uh, come at what cost? Randall Cobb's there as well. And you think, well, th- this should work. But for whatever reason, it's not working. I, if I was a Texans fan, you'd be thinking, it's time to rebuild. Let, let's let's yeah. be done with this. Let's rebuild, start again, and build around Deshaun Watson. But they're going to find that hard to do, right? Because they've yeah, given up no picks. every pick for the next 20 years, right? <laughs> whatever, whatever deal that they did is disappointing. Because I love Deshaun Watson. I think he is one of my favorite players in in the NFL and it is it's difficult and then you look I mean, let's not be so offensively obsessed right same with JJ Watt like he's looking around and these are players that particularly in JJ Watt's case you know knows he doesn't have that many more seasons in him and and deserves to be uh, uh, how, deserves to have a lot more around him a, a team on a more upwards and positive trajectory the Chargers right and mm-hmm. in some respects they kind of stumbled upon this earlier than maybe they thought they would because they, they expected Justin Herbert to be in and starting as early as he has been. I'm pretty sure even the most staunch advocate of the Herbert pick inside that front office is probably surprised at just how good he has looked. I mean, he has been one of the breakout rookies of the season so far, hasn't he? Yeah, he's got the first win under his belt now. And the fact that we didn't even know he could run with the football as well, (laughs) getting a touchdown. I think he was uh, three passing touchdowns, something like 360-odd or 40-odd yards in that game. Uh, He's just... He's just very exciting to watch and a very exciting rookie um, and came very close against the Saints. Um, he looks confident and, he, and mm. he can throw those deep balls and, you know, very, very different to, to Rivers and very different in his game plan to Tyra Taylor. So uh, Anthony Lynn has, has got a very, very exciting quarterback that he can build around. Um, and again, that, that's happening without Austin Eckler uh, as, as your sort of main weapon. So Jackson... Uh, as, as stepped up and um, I, I, I like this Chargers team they're, they're very exciting and fun to watch defensive line as well uh, getting things done against Gardner Minshew I mean incredible amount of pressure they were putting on him and Minshew and, and respect to him and what you know we know we know and love about Gardner Minshew that still made it competitive but at one point it looks like looked like the Jags were uh, uh, were going to take it after a, a, a difficult start in the game for them and that's just testament to uh, what he manages to wheel and deal but the, the 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 front seven of the Chargers looking strong as well and we know they're missing some key defensive pieces but it, it feels like this is very much a team that is already starting to to shape a very clear identity and is unlikely to, to be a serious contender this season, obviously, but but could be one of those teams that when we're talking about this in 12 months, Tom saying, or in the summer anyway, saying, which of the teams that didn't make the playoffs this year is going to make the playoffs next year? I think they, they, the way they're going at the moment, they're going to be in that conversation. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and, and the more that Justin Herbert has another career high like he did uh, against the Jags and the more that they can, um, like we've mentioned already today, like galvanizes a team and just go through those adverse moments and still get the job done. It's going to build all that confidence. And you've still got Joey Bosa there, you know, sack after sack and looking strong. I, I think this is finally a Chargers team that they can say, right, OK, we've got the quarterback of the future. Let's let's provide uh, uh, support for him. And um, I, my only concern is, you know, when any rookie quarterback takes off, who's not normally much of a runner, <laughs> you're expecting him to get injured at some point, <laughs> and that that would be a worry for them. But but all in all, yeah, the Chargers two and four now. Um, definitely that team that might finish eight and eight or, or, or a bit lower, but can build on this for next year. 
One more for you in terms of teams building uh, year on year. Washington, Dallas, uh, wanted to get a quick take on that because things are just going bad from bad to worse for, for the Cowboys. I mean, that must go down as one of the worst weeks in the history of the Cowboys, you, you would imagine, right? I mean, get absolutely shellacked on prime time. The stories about players grumbling, uh, about their coaching. They go in thinking this is a very winnable divisional game against Washington, who are not a great side. Not only do they play badly, uh, Dalton goes down as well. So we have a new, a star is bored, right, Tom Deacon? Yeah, I have been waiting. For, the, the thing is, you have to understand, Jerry Jones, as the GM, knows exactly what he's doing. Um, he has been waiting for the seventh round pick, Ben Danucci, coming through. Um, <laughs> the, essentially, no one knew who he was, a small school quarterback uh, in terms of, of college football. Uh, but it doesn't matter. I mean, he is, he is the rebuild. Cowboy fans, <laughs> pay attention. Ben DiNucci is the guy you've been waiting for. Dak, I know that was a horrific injury and, and we love Dak, but Ben DiNucci, he's the guy that's going to win you that Super Bowl. And Jerry Jones has known all about this. A diamond in the rough. Is that, is that right then, Nat? Do you, would anyone believe that? I, I would be, um, it would be amazing if, uh, particularly after this debut as well, if suddenly, I mean, that, that would have to be some kind of Hollywood plot that somehow Danucci, there's some kind of deal he does where somebody says, I'm going to, I mean, is it, is it something that he finds like some kind of towel? magic towel that he always has in his waist that makes him suddenly the greatest. He's like a mixture of all the great quarterbacks ever. Yeah. yeah. He's like a Keanu Reeves in that film. Uh, he just steps <laughs> up. Um, I, I don't understand it. I mean, we mentioned about fantasy football. I think that's what all NFL, NFL fans love. I'm keep checking the ESPN app. I'm just like, I love this. I love this app. I can check in on. And the thing is for me, I, I, I looked at this team and I thought, well, Andy Dalton comes in. The offensive weapons are there. Why are they not scoring? There is a real issue with this Cowboys team. And, and when all of the players are saying we're not coached right, uh, and anonymously, of course, I have yeah. to stress, uh, something's wrong. And you're making Washington look really good. And, and they wanted to get back to winning ways because of that two point they went for when they could have tied the game. Ron Rivera, he said, that's all on me and I, I want to win. Well, mm. the Washington Redskins, uh, uh, the Washington football team, I do apologize, uh, are made to look so much better against a very, very poor Cowboys team. And I can't work out why they're so poor. We've got to wrap up. One thing I'll leave you on. I can't take credit for it. I read it uh, earlier on today as I was uh, doing the rounds, but it was a really interesting idea because, uh, of course, Dalton could be out for a while, certainly with concussion protocol because it was a head injury, right? Uh, he might not be good to go. What do they, what do, they do and what do they, where do they look? And, and as you say, with Dak out for the season, somebody was suggesting, what about Fitz? Fitz for the Cowboys. <laughs> that would be great. I love that. I think Fitz should do it. The way the uh, Fitz are treated him. I, um, because when Fitz said about how he was, he was sacked and then had to sit in a Zoom meeting yeah. with his other, with Tua Tongavaila, uh, you just sort of felt for him. He is the rebuilding man and Fitz there with Amari Cooper. Gallup, where's he been all season? Uh, CD, you've got so many weapons with, with Zeke wow. as well. I love it. I want this to happen. Make I, it happen. We need to have a petition, uh, hashtag, you know, uh, Fitz. Cowboys, that needs to be the start. Fitz Cowboys, get on it, uh, listeners. We will drive that through. Let us know what you think of that idea as well at the NC Show. Is how you get in touch with us on social media. Lots of content going out through the week, including videos from this very show. So if you're listening to us and you want to see uh, the Mickey Mouse 
sitting behind Tom Deakin and all the books, or, or should I say the book covers that he has. With well, don't, don't give away sure. the secrets. Now, I just, oh, I just printed no, them before that we started and in color. Sorry. So think of the ink I've lost for that. <laughs> they are, it look, it's a fun, some decent one. I'd be, I'd be distracted to kind of look you over and there's some good ones that I don't have that I'm going to, we should book trade. Uh, we could do some kind of book swap, Tom Deakin. Um, great to see you, man. Always a pleasure. Uh, what are you up to at the moment with, uh, or stand up, of course, club still closed, but you're getting into the virtual stuff doing doing live gigs virtually is that is that wrong live gigs are happening i had a beautiful moment the other week when i was back home at my parents uh and uh someone heckled me because i did it in the lounge and so i had the curtains behind me uh, and someone audibly went i don't like those curtains my mum was distraught when i told her after the show uh, so yeah zoom gigs are happening there's a couple of events uh actual live theater gigs but um it's, it's a weird time but luckily for me uh, the f1 esports is, is back again and oh and nice happening so that's um, on so that could on sky sports or yes sky yeah. f1 it's 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 back next week very exciting nice. times with that but um but generally just cannot wait for next sunday what do i do with my time now as an nfl fan it's really do you know what i and i say this and it sounds soppy but the nfl has really been the boost for me every week just watching lights out performances uh it, it does give you that sort of mental lift definitely 100 man and it's uh been great to go through uh, an extraordinary sunday and uh, you helping us uh, bring it to life again, once again so we appreciate that but good to see you man check in with us soon take care now Brilliant to catch up with Tom. Always a lot of fun. And you can count on seeing and hearing him very, very soon on the show. Uh, Incidentally, if you haven't already, get behind Team J-Bell on Strictly Come Dancing over on BBC One. Doesn't matter if you don't watch the show. Don't care if you don't watch a single second of it. Still vote for him. All right. Vote J-Bell. We've got to get the NFL UK family firmly behind him and make sure we keep him in the show uh so get on that gang we're going to be back thursday uh with two very special guests coming your way to preview week eight i can't believe we're at week eight the season so far so the weekend preview dropping thursday we look forward to it we'll see you then bye for now guys Podcast Network.